What's up, everyone? Welcome to Making the Shift. Where we listen to autistic voices, explore new therapy ideas, and share neurodiversity-affirming methods and strengths-based approaches to support autistic kids. Because we're not here to try and, quote, fix kids. We are here to love them, embrace them, and celebrate them for who they are. I'm Jesse Ginsberg, sensory integration trained SLP, founder of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in Los Angeles, and creator of the Inside Out Sensory Certificate for SLPs. And I'm Chris Winger, also known as Speech Dude, high school SLP and creator of the Dynamic Assessment for Social-Emotional Learning. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Hello! Hi, everyone. We're so excited to get started. Welcome to episode two of Making the Shift. I'm Jesse Ginsberg. Oh, and then my name is Chris Winger. But we are here coming to you from home. Home this time. Not Australia. Yeah, that We're was back. fun. We got to do our live last week. Hopefully you guys caught it when we were in Australia. And now we are home. But honestly, glad to be home, right? Yeah, it's nice to be back and to have our own bed, which I love, and to um, see the children and hang out with the children and, you know, back to to life as usual. Yeah, that's true. It was a long time. It felt like a long time. Exactly. And that plane ride home. It's hard because when you're a parent, you totally try to give grace to other parents traveling with kids. It was just like a really (laughs) long flight. Yeah. And I absolutely. think we were sitting next to every child on the plane. Well, it wasn't even that. It wasn't like we were just sitting next to um, the entire back of the airplane with, you know, an entire preschool's worth of children. It was that they weren't on their best behavior. They were <laughs> like, hey, we know that guy. We know that Chris is going to have a hard time sleeping if we make noise. So it's like all the children got together and they said, hey, Let's see how loud we can be for 15 hours so that way Chris doesn't sleep. That's exactly what happened. So aside from my back being a little sore, my neck having a few aches, it wasn't even that. It was the part where I couldn't sit there. It was the noise. But I got to watch seven movies, so can't complain because, like, when do I have time to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. But we had an awesome time. It was so awesome getting to meet everyone in Australia, and it was just so cool. We had people... Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about that woman. One SLP drove six and a half hours with her two teenagers in like the biggest storm that Australia's had in how long? I think they said five centuries. So something like really <laughs> longer really than long. it's been a country. And the best part was that at the end of the seminar, she said, Hey, my kids have been following you, Chris, on social media for so long. Is it okay if I bring them up? They were like in tears almost to meet you. It was the best. We got to hang out. We got to say our hellos and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, so fun, but we're so excited. And it was really the, the reason we wanted to talk about what we are talking about today is because of a lot of the stories and things like that, that we heard from the people we talked to and I was just thinking because this is our joke is that our pillow talk is actually this type of conversation all the time, but there's just, we've learned so much already this year. And we were like, let's figure out what the three best things are that we've learned this year so we could share them. Yeah, absolutely. So this will be very beneficial. I promise you're going to get 
some information and knowledge that will be useful in all aspects of your life, especially with work-related stuff and working with our autistic students. Yeah, so you start. Gosh, well, let's transition into um, the idea that when we were presenting in Australia, we um, had an opportunity to talk to several people at the end of each of our presentations, right? And we had people coming up, um, as Jesse said, um, and one of those things that resonated with me um, was why we do what we do. And so I wanted to share a story because um, a lot of people said, you know, traditionally we, we've known one thing or certain information, but we like to learn new information. Um, and we like to help um, our students and clients as best as possible, as well as the parents. And so... Um, I had a story that I shared there and I'm going to share with you. The greatest thing is that like, I never know what's going to come out of your mouth in any time, like in the middle of the seminar, which you would have thought is a planned <laughs> seminar because it was like all day. I was like, okay, where is he going with this year? But that's a good story. Yeah. I like this story. So some of you might know the story. If not, you could Google it or check it out. There's a, a couple clips on YouTube back in the early nineties. Sinead O'Connor had this song um, that was written for um, by Prince, and it was called Nothing Compares to You. It was They're not going to know what it is. It's huge. If you don't know what this is, I'm telling you. you sing it for them. Oh, they need to hear, hear it? It's like, nothing compares to you or something. <laughs> and so it was just like this massive song. And so Saturday Night Live said, you know what? We got to have Sinead O'Connor on the show. We're going to have her sing this song. We're going to have her get out there. People just love her. Okay. So she gets to Saturday Night Live and she has um, a song that she wants to start with, Bob Marley's song, War. When she's up there, um, she changed um, one of the main lyrics from War over into child mistreatment. She pulls out a picture of Pope John Paul. The second rips it up and she says, we don't need a war on poverty. We need to talk about child mistreatment, right? Holy moly. Talk about a change from what she was going to present on versus a change um, into um, the uh, concept of what she really wanted to talk about. Oh, you know, I went down a spiral black hole of uh, Googling that, by the way, after you told the story. And I was watching a video of Joe Pesci, who was the next host of SNL the week after her. So he had to be the one to address it. Oh, you know? so he was like, um, I don't know, his <laughs> accent, which I can't do, obviously. But he was like, you know why the Pope always has this stuff happen to him? Because he forgives people like way too easily. You don't see that Pope was Italian, she wouldn't be ripping that up or something, whatever. He's Italian, so he was talking about that. Right, but, exactly. Yeah. She was from Ireland, right? And so she was really, um, really an advocate for what was had gone on in Ireland with the mistreatment and child abuse and everything um, there. So that's why she did it. And anyway, um, they had asked her. So essentially, it was the downfall of her popularity. And she said, sometimes an artist's job isn't to be popular. Sometimes an artist's job is to create conversation or conversation is needed. And that's what the idea is when we talk about making these revolutionary changes 
with working with our students and the neurodiversity affirming movement, the neurodiversity movement, I should say, which is we have to take a stand for what we feel is right. We have to take a stand for what we feel is best for, for the kids. And sometimes that might not be the most popular thing. Sometimes people might um, push away from it. But just like Sinead O'Connor, we get out there and we do what we feel is right, what we feel is best. And so Jesse has a story um, about... Yeah, well, you don't put those mutts in the bedroom. <laughs> Go, Emmy. They're so loud. Their little dog nails are walking around on the kitchen floor like this. <laughs> anyway, okay. This made me think when he told this story of... Um, at uh, this time when I was talking to a colleague who specializes in marketing and she said to me, when you are going to post something, I want you to think about, is this the hill you want to die on? And maybe that's a popular phrase. I feel like it probably is popular, but it, I'd never heard it. And it really resonated with me. But she was like, before you post, is this the hill you want to die on? And I thought about it, you know, because every time we kind of put our voice out there, every time we put our opinions out there, is this, is it worth it, right, essentially? And like there was a period, for instance, where like when we were posting about sleep training the baby and remember how many people came after me? Like, yeah. Telling me I was like a horrible person for sleep training the baby. It was one of those things where it was like, okay, yes. I'm talking about that. Is that the hill I want to die on? Like, because I so strongly believe in sleep training. No, like that is not to me the hill that I want to die on. I still posted about it. That was a good learning lesson. But, you know, there are other things that we talk about and we post about, about because, yes, that's the hill I want to die on. So I think when you're going out there and you're talking to professionals and you're standing up for what is right, you're just thinking about, you think about that to yourself. Is this a hill I want to die on? Like, if people come after me about this, is that what's going to be worth it for me? And I think for a lot of us, this topic of neurodiversity affirming therapy is one of our hills, you know? Absolutely. This is the thing. And the greatest part about it, and sometimes it can be the hardest thing about it, is this. If the message and the ideas and the movement forward that you continue doing is strong and people get it, it's going to captivate those people. But at the same time, the people who just don't get it, it's they're going to they're going to be upset a little bit. You know, sometimes they might be enraged. The thing is, is if it's not really upsetting a couple people because it isn't because they are new ideas, then the work is just ordinary or the concepts and the ideas are just ordinary. We want to talk about things that are extraordinary. We want to make a movement forward that are is profound because we haven't talked about these things historically. So I think yeah. that's important. And I feel like you even quoted like MLK Jr. in that seminar. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. The MLK, Martin Luther King Jr. It might even be on the Justin Bieber's album. I think it's at like right before a song, but the idea, uh, let me, I don't know if I can get this right. I love but it's how like, you say, I don't know, like as if you don't know all of Justin Bieber's albums. <laughs> I know all of the albums. <laughs> I know all of the songs. I'm a Bieber guy, um, <laughs> which is, um, it, it has something to do deal with um, 
You die the day you are remain silent on the things that matter most. Yeah, your life, your life, your life begins, begins to, to end. To end. That's the what day it is. you become silent about the things that matter. That's what it is. Your life begins to end when you become silent about the things that matter most. So, um, so I think that's, that's a, part of our job. But I think like the biggest one of the biggest issues we face then is we're like, yes, we know we want to do this. We know it's the right thing. We want to stand up for this. Now how? Because it's really hard when we're not always met with open arms and open minds. And that's the our number two lesson, which for me, I think has got to be one of the biggest things really that I've learned just this year, which is you have to meet people where they're at. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't even really fully comprehend what that meant um, for a while. But we really have to meet people where they're at. And it's like the story I told last week, if you guys caught our episode about how when I started, when I was using person first language and someone came at me and said, you, you're wrong, you're causing masking and autistic people and like went on really hard into me. I was just like in on the defense. I was like, nope, I'm right. This person is wrong, um, right? But then I had someone else, other autistic therapists really meet me where I was on that journey, which was the very beginning of just discovering it and having her come to me and, you know, explain to me in very, um, in a very friendly and understanding way about, you know, why our language matters. It's only that that really got me to then start really putting in the time and doing the research because we really can't just like shove. This was a big question we got in our seminar to people was on how to educate others. But right. the thing that I really have learned is that you cannot just shove these ideas into people's brains. You know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, right? Or you can't force it to drink. It's like, you can't force someone to believe something. Um, it's almost like when I say to you, hey, you should read this book. It's really good. And then you won't because it wasn't your idea <laughs> or something. Right. Whereas yeah, well, like if you, if you ask someone something that like leads them into having that thought, then they're more likely to do it. Right. You, we could do that. We, yeah, it's like, hey, check, watch this movie or re listen to this podcast or that. But if they're not ready to be there, or they're resistant on it. Yeah. Right? So I think that like helping people to come to their own conclusion sometimes is just really, really important. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the concept that when we are in meetings with parents, when we are in IEP meetings, or if you work at a private practice and we have those connections with the parents, the job I feel and the role sometimes with coming up with these new ideas versus the traditional therapy approaches or the traditional goals or these or these um, ways that we communicate. Really, the idea is to not force concepts onto parents, but to meet them where they're at and essentially plant the seed of opportunity or plant the seed of learning. That's really what it is. I was in an IEP meeting um, fairly recently where the parent had used a variety of um, language such as low, you know, my child's high functioning and he doesn't want to talk about autism because, you know, he sees the other low functioning kids. And it was the 
this language that let me know and identify where the parent was at at that moment. So for me, rather than sharing the knowledge of, hey, you know, it might be better to use identity first language or why we don't use function names. I didn't go that route. I already knew that wasn't the time, that wasn't the place, but I knew that was a moment where I can plant a seed of learning. So I chimed in. I said, you know, I've been learning a lot from talking to um, adults that are autistic. I've been learning a lot talking to the autistic community. And this is where I've been learning it from. Um, would you be cool if I just followed up with an email with some, some links and some support groups on Facebook and some people that I've been learning from on Instagram? And when I share it that way with parents, they've been very receptive of, yeah, you know what? I'd like to check that out. So again, the idea with Jesse saying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. It's the same idea as well as when you're in the meeting, when you're with a parent, the you have, we have to just be cautious. We don't want to force things. Um, we want to plant the seed of learning. Remember that our role is to plant the seed of learning and a seed of opportunity for parents to learn. And when that self-discovery comes, then it will continue to grow. Yeah. And I think it's just hard for us because we get, once we make this like 180 of what we're doing, we want things to happen quickly and now, like, it's like, we want it to happen now. And we want everyone on board with us now because we're ready, which means everyone else needs <laughs> to be ready too, you know, but um, the truth is this is a long journey for a lot of us. And even for me, you know, of researching and reading, and we literally lay in bed every single night reading posts from autistic people. That is how we learn. You know, we still are learning. So I think it's just a matter of when we meet people where they're at, they're going to be more likely to be receptive to listening and then be able to, I love, same as Chris, giving resources to families so that they can hear from autistic people. Um, for instance, I was with a girl a few weeks ago and she um, was with another therapist who was telling her not to stim. And I, instead of just like going nuts about that, which I had to not do because <laughs> we know how important stimming is and, and everything like that. So it was hard for me not to just like speak up in a harsh way in that situation. But instead I said, oh, I just saw this really awesome video on Instagram on stimming. Let me show it to you. And I pulled it up and it's someone on Instagram. Her handle's Nine Functioning Autism. A lot of you guys probably follow her. And it was a video of stimming what you see versus what I see. And then it was what you see. And it was her with her hands moving by her eye and looking out the corner of her eye. And then it was what I see. It was her fingers outlining a like a triangle of a shadow that was in the corner of the room and it was so eye-opening to me to see that so I showed this to that other therapist and that like I don't expect that other therapist from now on to just like not to to just accept stimming from now on like I don't think that was what was going to come of that but I honestly think it was just planting the seed it was okay now I get it. Like now it's starting to make sense. Now I have to think about it and learn about it more, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's important, which brings us into number three. Yeah. The third thing that um, when we, are, we follow it up with bringing the parents to a place where it plants that seed of learning, 
we had spoke in Wollongong, Australia, Wollongong. and Wollongong, um, and there we had presented, and it was really cool because the window, the windows were open over this really big pond, and um, I was thinking about this because we were the therapist and we were the community around this pond, right? If we were to drop something in the middle of that pond, it would send a little rippling effect to the outskirts, right? When we work with families, the family is the core, the family is the center. So when we work with parents, the idea is that when we work with parents, everything that we do must have buy-in with the parents because the parents and the families are the core part of this whole thing, right? If we have certain strategies and therapy approaches that we're doing with our students, but it's not supported at home, then what we're doing in our sessions, it's not going to be validated, right? What we do with our students can't be transitioned or generalized if it's not transparent between all environments. And the core of all of this is at the house or with the family, right? The family is what sends the rippling effect outward. And so that's why this is so important. So all of the concepts that we've talked about, the first one about the story about Sinead O'Connor, the why we must continue to support rather than withhold information, but do it in a respectful way, right? That is so important. When we want to talk about these new ideas, we must always remember that we can share the stuff that we learn. We can share the neurodiversity affirming techniques and strategies, but we always must ensure that we do everything in a respectful way, right? So that would recap number one. The second thing we talked about, which was the idea of how we work in meetings to plant that seed of opportunity so the parents can have the access to learning these types of things. Because you can't just do it in a meeting. You can't just do it overnight. It's a process for all of us, right? And then the third thing was talking about the core part of all of the students, that that rippling effect that gets sent out and why it's so important to have the connection with the families. Sometimes we think when we're in a therapy session or when we write goals and we work with the, with the child, that's the number one thing. The idea is, is Everything's the number one thing. You have to get the family involved, right? It's it's it all has plays an equal part in this whole thing. Yeah, and that would lead to that another conversation another time about barriers to that, you know. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, for sure there's just I mean, we always have to think about what is our ultimate goal for our kids. Our ultimate goal is for ask any parent, what do you want for your kids' life? I want them to be happy. Like that is all you will hear from parents. And when our goal is happiness and fulfillment, it all has to come from home because that's where the very first place we can start to build positive self-identity is right in the home. Yeah. You know, so really taking time to nurture that relationship with the family, even though sometimes it might feel hard because of things like time constrictions and whatnot but really taking time to nurture that relationship with the family because you need to have this relationship where you guys are on the same page and you've built trust in each other. Yeah. So really excited. Um, what day is it? I think we got one more week 
And then the week after that, we will not be doing our live show because we are speaking for Reading with TLC, which is <laughs> an awesome company that invited us to come speak. And what's really unique about this opportunity is that um, their webinars are for all professionals and parents, and they're super low cost. So we put a link to that webinar in the video description below if you want to see it. <laughs> And um, yeah, like I said, really low cost webinar. It's not an affiliate link or anything. We're just um, coming in to speak for them. So we're really excited and hope you guys can make it, make it there for that. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you got some value out of this. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.